Welcome back to the Mackinac Michigan Show, brought to you by the Mackinac Center's Frank Beckman Center for Journalism here on WJR. I'm Kelly Cobb. And I'm Jarrah Skora. And uh, we just talked through an enormous amount of taxpayer dollars that are being spent in Michigan on corporate handouts through the MEDC. Uh, we want to piggyback on that story with Mike LaFave of the Mackinac Center, who has put together the Sustainable Michigan Budget, basically an overview in, in his mind, in the Mackinac Center's mind, on what Michigan's budget ought to be, where we can cut, and so on. Uh, but let's start with this. Mike, uh, welcome to the show. And can you Thanks talk a little me. bit? Yeah, for sure. Can you talk a little bit about um, the cuts that you have proposed um, to MEDC and these corporate handouts that are going to try and lure companies here to Michigan? Absolutely. I have long considered the Michigan Economic Development Corporation uh, work and the money that it spends to be some of the lowest hanging of the lowest hanging fruit available to budget reformers. And because we want to see money set aside in more responsible ways for roads or a rainy day fund or addressing pension shortfalls, we routinely recommend cuts to the state budget. And I always begin with the Michigan Economic Development Corporation because they spend money in areas that not only have no impact, but may actually have a net negative impact on our economy and with respect to job creation, especially when you consider opportunity cost. Uh, one of those uh, areas would be Michigan's Pure Michigan campaign. Um, we have a line item in the state budget that gets $100 million every year that's simply called business attraction and community revitalization. And those are outright grants to businesses and developers um, that don't necessarily have to prove that they will uh, create the jobs. It's more like a, a, a grant, an outright grant uh, of subsidies to businesses that the state thinks are real comers and will produce jobs that might not otherwise have been created without them. Of course, they can show little evidence to support their assertions. Yeah, so we just had Claire Hendrickson on from the Detroit Free Press, and she wrote a, a great piece recently where she talked to the MEDC, and it was kind of along the lines of, well, how do you determine this? How do you determine how much money to give? How do you determine how many jobs that will be? And the MEDC was basically very vague and um, said, you know, we have an internal process and, and things like that. So you've been studying this for decades. How do they determine how much money to give to, give to companies, Mike? Well, you know, they claim they have these processes in place, and I've pressed them, especially with regard to the Michigan Business Development Program. They actually will take calls and find clients themselves and then direct them to the program area where they think that the company might best be suited. And then they claim that they do this important fiscal due diligence. And, in fact, the law often mandates that due diligence is done on these programs. But uh, we see from mistake after mistake that the due diligence that is done isn't often very good, not only because the companies fail, but because they have major um, errors in judgment. For instance, they offered a $7 million-plus uh, subsidy to Richard Short at one point, who was a convicted felon out on parole for financial crimes, who was not allowed by the terms of his parole to even possess a debit card. And yet he shared the stage with Governor Granholm at one time. So it's a real open question. We've actually had to file a lawsuit against the Michigan Economic Development Corporation trying to get data so that we can see how they come up with their claims of success for um, the Pure Michigan program. Most recently, their contractor said that thanks to the program, 
the state treasury receives $11 plus in new tax revenue for every dollar that is spent on tourism advertising in outstate markets like Cleveland, Chicago, and that sort of thing. We've pressed them time and again. We want the information so they can um, show this to us. Their contractors say it's proprietary or they don't answer our questions at all. We sued over this, and unfortunately, we lost because the judge said these contractors are not agents of the state. They're contractors, and the data that remains in their hands is for them. So they they do essentially a secret analysis, and they say it's going to return this amount of money, and they're not going to release it, and presumably the, the media and people just run with these numbers? Yes, they claim it's proprietary, and the media republishes wow. numbers that the state claims are effective. And when we challenge them, they say, we know we're right. They effectively say, we know we're right, and you just have to trust us. And by the way, this number, this return on investment is justification for another large appropriation. Please hand it over. Well, I got I got a 10-year-old, wow. and I think Lefebvre, Mike, you, you have one too. But yeah, I, when, when my son tells me, I did the homework, just trust me on it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I just let that go. I just assume, you know, no problem. <laughs> well, and the MEDC has a history of hi- of hiring contractors to do studies that are, um, you know, less than acceptable. Their film subsidy study, for instance, they paid a contractor to measure the impact of the film subsidy that we had years ago during the Granholm administration. They did, claimed it was a big hit, but in a few minutes, I was able to determine that that contractor left out 100% of the costs associated mm. with his cal- with the film incentive program. So if you only tell a, a software package that it's manna from heaven, that all this spending is a gift, uh, and there's no cost associated with it, no budget constraints, it will, of course, produce a positive result. And we've mm. seen the MEDC buy these studies time and again. Wow. That, and that's just another layer. I mean, we, we were just talking about the lack of transparency at METC. This is just another layer of how they hide what they're up to there uh, in fudging all their numbers. That's incredible. Um, Michael, we want to also chat about the sustainable Michigan budget that, that you guys at Mackinac Center put together. Uh, how do you come up with a with both a budget target for what the state budget ought to be? And then uh, what are your recommendations for getting to it? We look at the previous year's spending of state money from state resources, and then we say, well, what transpired in the last 12 months in terms of population and inflation changes? So if population goes up in the next year by 1% and inflation goes up by 2%, we simply recommend that the state restrain its spending to 3% uh, in the forthcoming budget. And we've seen this done in other states, both as a recommendation and as a constitutional mandate. And it has had great effect on lawmakers who were sort of taught or forced to practice more restraint. And you can see what happens, actually, up to those constraints being recommended um, before and after. And it's clearly had an effect that has resulted in Texas and, and in Colorado of having billions of dollars returned to taxpayers because of that restraint. So last year, we recommended a rather um, a large increase of some 7.9% simply because of the huge inflation rate. Population rate uh, grew at only 0%. So we recommended a target budget for 2024 of $47.57 billion worth of spending in the coming year uh, that lawmakers shoot for or less than that. And um, the proposed budget from the governor was at least on paper, just up to that amount, just up, just underneath it, which is good news. However, 
Last year, we saw something like that as well. And in the waning hours of producing the budget, lawmakers introduced an extra billion dollars mm. worth of spending in, 100, in 149 last-minute line items that you know no one saw coming. And so we're very concerned that uh, with the money that's uh, on hand, that that sort of thing could happen again. Even if it doesn't, the budget proposed already has a lot of district-specific pork in it that should be paired back immediately. And we're about to, I should do a plug, our next segment is on how we're losing population in Michigan. (laughs) So that plays into the reason why our budget should probably be cut even more. But can you go through some of this pork that you found or some of um, the ways that, you know, quickly here, just an overview, that the state could cut could cut money because oftentimes they go to cut and someone says no 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 you know this is important for this reason but you've you've gone through and found that that there's a number of places that the state could reduce spending so, you know, we have time and again pointed to a hundred different line items. I mean, you can go back to 2003, and we've recommended 200 specific line items to remove $2 billion from the state budget without touching Medicaid or the school aid fund. That could be bigger now. And they run from, very, from fairly small items like specific grants to a, um, to a for-profit um, artisanal food center in Ann Arbor to have poetry readings mm. uh, to much larger items such as the corporate welfare ones I mentioned. One item that struck me in the current budget was for a $2.5 million subsidy to build a chamber of commerce in Grand Rapids for a specific cha- uh, business group. If that oh. actually gets adopted into law, it should be called the, you know, the, the crony commerce <laughs> uh, building mm-hmm. because we will have taken taxpayer money from everyone to subsidize an association that ostensibly is supposed to represent for-profit commercial interests in West Michigan. Yeah, Fundamentally and, uh, unfair and ineffective. I think I saw one recently, Mike, that um, you had written about or somebody had written about that that was a curling center up in Traverse City. There was already a curling center in Traverse City. A new one was trying to get <laughs> off the ground. Needless to say, the uh, current curling center was not too happy about that. And I find those are the particularly insidious ones where you have, and that's your issue with the MEDC, you already have private businesses. They want to make investments. They want to create jobs. They want to have a product, and you're directly subsidizing um, their competitors. The Curling Center was one of the 149 last minute, if not last second entries in the state budget that ultimately totaled a billion dollars. So you give you know, seven-figure gift to someone to go in and compete against a private for-profit curling center that had been established with the life savings of a entrepreneur who is now forced to compete against a, um, a better-positioned, underwritten uh, curling center that probably didn't need it and went off and you know and, and has generated more money uh, elsewhere uh, to boot. Hmm. So fundamentally unfair, and it's an ineffective as a job creation tool as well. I think the curling center is actually a nonprofit that was subsidized. So uh, you know, against a for-profit center with an entrepreneur who risked his own family's life savings to make it to make it happen. Mike, we got to leave it there. I find it very fascinating that there's that much demand for curling in Traverse City. But as much as I love watching the Olympics, um, you know, that's I, I can't. I don't know how they sustain two centers, let alone one. But uh, Mike LaFay with the Mackinac Center, and you can check out uh, the Michigan Sustainable Budget uh, by going to Mackinac.org. Mike, thanks for coming on. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me. And we'll be back again after a brief break with more of the Mackinac Michigan Show here on WJR.